IndieCast is presented by Uproxx's Indie Mixtape. Hello everyone and welcome to IndieCast. On this show we talk about the biggest indie news of the week, review albums, and we hash out trends. In this episode we resume our annual IndieCasties for 2023. My name is Stephen Hyden, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host. He thinks it's hilarious to wear ugly sweaters to Christmas parties. Ian Cohen. Ian, how are you? Yeah, you know, you talked about how uh, by 2024 we might be over the Wednesday Extended Universe. We're just going to get, like, whatever the the blonde shell is of, like, you know, kind of dirty Southern storytelling or what have you, and... Hasn't our society, like, kind of progressed beyond the need to, like, wear ugly sweaters every week or, like, for a month or, like, every Friday or whatever it is that your workplace does? It just feels, like, oppressive to me in a way that Christmas never did, even as, like, a Jewish kid growing up. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the ugly sweater phenomenon on this show, uh... We had an episode of Ugly Sweater Cast, I think, at one point. Uh, Because, like, in your office, isn't there, like, an ugly sweater... Day. There's a holiday one, but here's the deal. Like last night, I got my uh, American football Christmas sweater, which is indeed a real thing. And I am going to wear that every single Friday until I retire. So um, I think it was maybe it's just a matter of like me finding one that like suits my personality and isn't framed more towards like making like, you know, bad puns about like rap or whatever. So uh, there, there's hope for us all. And we should be clear that when you say last night, you mean last week yeah. <laughs> because we we banked this episode. Uh, you know, I'm I'm on vacation right now as you're listening to this, so we banked this last week. If we missed any big indie news, apologies. Hopefully, uh, there wasn't an emergency in the indie rock community. Uh, I'm just trying to think of like <laughs> what would force me to you know, stop my vacation and record an emergency indie cast with you. New gauntlet, gauntlet hair surprise album. Um, (laughs) uh, Allow allow me to to have a wish list here. (laughs) Uh, Yay Sayer reunion tour. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Who knows? But anyway, uh, this is a banked episode. Uh, We're resuming our indie casties ceremony. We did a bunch of categories last week. We're diving back into it this week. Uh, So hopefully you're, uh, you know, maybe you're driving to your parents' house right now for the holiday weekend, or uh, you're uh, curled up on a bearskin rug in front of the fire with a cup of cocoa and a loved one snuggling you while you're listening to the show. Whatever the case may be, hope you're having a good holiday season. Uh, should we just dive into the indie casties? Fuck it, let's roll. Okay, so our first category is biggest disappointment of 2023, and uh, the nominees are. The National, you know, hate to say it, mm. uh, they were the first band I wrote in this category. Uh, Jenny Lewis, uh, and of course we're talking about the albums that these artists put out this year. The National put out two albums that were a little uneven, uh, to say the least. And Jenny Lewis, uh, her album was called Joy Y'all, mm-hmm. I believe. That's correct. And, uh, <laughs> and I love Jenny Lewis. Um, I loved her last record. Uh, on the line uh, from 2019. This record, I, uh, this record I thought was maybe not up to the standard of that record. Um, 
I put every big ticket rap record. I feel like the big heavy hitters, whether it's Drake or Travis Scott uh, or uh, Post Malone, if he is he still making rap music or is he like doing country music now? I feel like he's maybe doing the Kid Rock thing at this point. Or the um, Noah Kahan thing. I, I, I don't know who Noah... I haven't listened to Noah Kahan's music yet, but uh, yeah, like Post Malone is like rap in the same way that like I guess Drake would be rap in that yeah. like it's of that universe even if it isn't like actual bars and hooks and like beats. But it just feels like the the blockbuster or would-be blockbuster rap records really under-delivered this year. Uh, Slow Dive... You put that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sigur Rose. Did I say that right? Sigurass. That's how I've been doing Sigur it. Ross. Mm-hmm. And Animal Collective. You put Animal Collective on there. I did. Uh, so those are our nominees. Uh, who was your winner uh, of the disappointments? It's kind of weird to say there's a winner in this category, <laughs> but who was your biggest disappointment out of those nominees? Yeah, so I mean, like Sigur Ross, Animal Collective, and The National, to me, like all are of a piece of, you know, like four... Artists I've like loved for as long as I've been writing about music, and I feel as if there's always they're always on the verge of like getting back to like what they do best, but they just kind of give paler versions of uh, the stuff I loved in 2005, and it always drives me a little bit nuts because like you see these albums being praised, and I'm like, am I missing something? Like, I'm supposed to love this stuff more than the average person, but I don't know. Maybe it's a symptom of caring too much. If there's if there's anything you can accuse us of here on any cast is caring too much. But the one I want to go with, and I'm like really glad you put this on there, which is every big ticket rap record. Now, so I know like Sexy Red and Vs, like there were a lot of like regional albums that uh kind of stuck on year end list from hip hop, and you know like you can put like Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel maps, but. I mean, I don't know if we had a single episode that centered around a, you know, like a Kendrick level or like a Drake level or, I mean. We talked about Travis Scott in an episode. Yeah. I mean, so that would be the closest. But yeah. Uh, But but I feel like that record really came and went. Yeah, like, and and it's so bizarre to see, um, you know, think pieces in places like Slate or the New York Times talking about, like, whether hip-hop is, like, lost ground to country music because like morgan wallen was putting up like hip-hop type numbers on the charts and i mean look we are 240 something guys who primarily talk about indie rock but there's gotta be like one or two out hip-hop albums like you know prime kanye prime drake like we're there's, it's going to be in the top 10 regardless. And, um, you know, we got to be able to like have an opinion about it, but this just kind of made me, it, 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 it just didn't feel like it was a just us sort of thing in 2023. Yeah. I mean, I feel like every year you need like that one big rap record that like everyone can get behind, or at least where it's fun to talk about and to not have that after it's been a fixture of Really, like most of our lives as music critics, I feel like there's always that album. You feel like, oh, there's always going to be a Kanye album in the mix. There's always going to be a Kendrick album in the mix. You know, if we're going back to the 2000s, you know, you got you got Outkast, you got Jay Z, mm-hmm. uh, even the, even like a Cardi B album, like you right. know, that that hasn't happened either. Yeah, so it, it was a little strange. It felt like a little like there was a void this year with that. So yeah, I think that's a good pick. Um, I have to go with the National. Uh, they were the first band I wrote down for this category. 
And I have conflicted feelings about calling this my biggest disappointment because on my year-end list, I actually put my compilation of the two albums, my favorite songs from both records, which I think is actually a really good record. I, I like the 12-song album I made out of the like 23 or so songs that are on uh, first two pages of Frankenstein and Laugh Track. Um, but, you know, I, I saw The National on tour uh, last year, and they were playing some of these songs live. And hearing these songs live, it got me really excited for what they were going to be doing next. They were, uh, it, it, it had that energy that I think a lot of old-school National fans are still waiting for them to come back, where it just mm-hmm. sounds like them as a band. And there's an aggression to it, and it's not just like a mid-tempo ballad-type song. And then they put out these records, and like there's tons of guest stars on the albums, and it, it feels like the sequencing wasn't very good, and there's like just no sense of momentum on those albums. And I, I just feel like what's disappointing about those records isn't that they're bad. It's that I think that there was a great album in there that they weren't able to pull out. And I think I did it with my compilation. I, I, I know like lots of other national fans have done the same thing that I did where they picked their favorite songs. Um, but, you know, we're still in this holding pattern. And again, it's probably older national fans, not their new fans that they have now because i mean they do have like a big young fan base yeah this idea that they're just for dads has really <laughs> changed since the taylor swift connection yeah and the phoebe bridges connection and right that's really transformed their following and there there is a segment of their audience who feels like okay it begins with sleep well beast this band's catalog and like the all, <laughs> everything else is like a preamble to that whereas maybe older people are like well i stopped listening at Sleep Well Beast. It's a very fascinating uh, split, I think, in that band's fan base. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just, uh, the disappointment in me is that it could have been a great record and instead we got two kind of just okay records. Yeah, The National to me is more just kind of like a franchise than a band at this point. Like, I, I can envision them putting out records for like every two years with you know like guest stars or whatever and like matt berninger continuing to play like the role of matt berninger um i'll probably still listen to it like they're like maybe i'll review an album like maybe that'll be like the one or two reviews i write in like 2025 but i don't know how disappointed i am in that because like slow dive cigarettes like they took more time to make a record um and yeah this is the national it's like i my expectations weren't super high so maybe that's why i'm not disappointed as the legends once said if you don't expect too much from me you might not be let down let's get to our next category and this is album you're most surprised you liked and as the category title suggests <laughs> these are records that you know you go into a record and you have expectations and maybe their expectations aren't very high for whatever reason maybe you've read about the record and it sounds like something you wouldn't like or maybe it's an artist that you've maybe given up on a little bit and then they come around and they make a record that gets you back on board so these are the nominees that we have in this category 100 gex uh, we've already talked about them in the indie casties. Uh, I, I feel like for both of us, maybe like this was a group that we were a little, maybe unsure about, uh, when they first emerged, but the record they put out this year, 10,000 Gex, it's just, just such a likable record. Uh, it really won, I think 
anyone anyone who was inclined to look at them as like a novelty act or just something that was being built up by the music media because of uh you know they signified a youth culture that a lot of music writers don't fully understand but they want to be on board with i think that's that skepticism was put to bed officially this year by that record so that's why that's here the rolling stones and this is just me putting this here uh i didn't I mean, I was going to care about this record no matter what because I love the Stones, but I didn't expect to genuinely love a lot of the songs on that record, and it really has grown on me over the years. So I put it up in this category. Uh, Mitski, I put in this category. I was a vocal critic of her previous record, Laurel Hell. I kind of felt like maybe she was starting to go down a path that would lose me. I wouldn't really be into her records anymore. And then she puts out The Land is Inhospitable and So Are We and it's one of my favorite albums of the year. Totally won me over. It goes up with Puberty 2 and uh, Bury Me at Makeout Creek as one of my favorite albums she's ever made. Uh, Anani and the Johnsons, you put that record, that's a beautiful kind of soul record. Uh, really good. Uh, Model Actress, mm-hmm. uh, this is a really good band. They were... They're a really good band that has been written about in a way that doesn't always do them justice. I feel like the uh, the music that they make sometimes is given a backseat to maybe more of the identity things that get written about this band that, like, as we've talked about already in the Indie Casties, some of that conversation, it, it feels very tired. But this is just like a good rock band. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on board with that nominee. And then Bully. This was one of your nominees, and I totally agree with it. A band that I've always kind of liked, but I feel like they were starting to make the same record over and over, and I was becoming less interested in that record. And then the album they put out this year, really good record. Uh, One of the best uh, records I think that they've made. So six strong nominees here. Which is uh, your winner for the album you didn't expect to love as much as you did? So I think this kind of comes down to whether I didn't, I'm surprised I like this album based on what I had heard before or whether I'm surprised that I still like it despite what I heard after the fact. And I think I got to choose model actress here because, um, you know, I came into this with no real expectations. I was told they kind of do like a dance punk sort of early liars or maybe even Lasavi fave sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, this record bangs. Um, it reminds me of like these new Puritans and like all these like kind of abrasive acts from the 2010s that got like way more uh, critical acclaim than I think they would now. And then every single thing that I read about them going forward just like erode it. Try try to erode that love because it was like, hey, this is indie sleaze and, you know, New York is back and Dime Square. <laughs> and um, it's funny, like when I interviewed them, they were one of the many, 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 many indie acts uh, of 2023 that will like so rather talk about basketball than, <laughs> than anything about like New York's art scene or like their influences and just nobody lets them cook. Uh, they're kind of, they're Sixers fans, which I think is funny. Cause like none of them identify with New York at all. They were like, yeah, that's someone made that shit up. And so, um, yeah, I think this, like when I, when I revisit this record, I'm like, oh yeah, this is actually really good because, um, when I don't listen to it and I think about all the things that have been said about them, I'm like, oh my God, this is the most annoying shit you could possibly come up with. And it actually turns out to be quite good. So, 
Um, yeah, Anani and the Johnsons, I liked their stuff before. I think the, again, we talked about this on the episode where we covered the record where it's, people talk, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a call for climate change, which, you know, it is, but it's like, it's also like a record that can be enjoyed, uh, you know, uh, without that framework. So, um, yeah, basically, uh, we ruin everything, bad scene, everyone's fault. Yeah. I mean, it's just an example of like critics putting too much emphasis on lyrics and themes and not enough on music and like yeah. how a lot of, I, look, I, I write about lyrics and themes. I think it's important. I think it's interesting to talk about, but at the end of the day where the rubber meets the road is like, does this rock, does it, is it beautiful? You know, does it move you sonically in some way? And, uh, I think sometimes by just focusing so much on narrative concerns, you can miss the forest for the trees and just being like, no, it's like fucking rocks. That, that's why it's on. That's why we're giving it a good review. Like it, like it vibes hard and that's what matters the most. Um, I think these are all like really good nominees. I could, I could pick any one of these because I think I would have had maybe some skepticism going into every record and I ended up liking all of them. Uh, I'm going to go with a hundred Gex just because this is the record I ended up liking the most. Well, Hunter Gex and Mitski both, but like I have more of a history with Mitski. It's really just because of like one record that I didn't like, and I thought, well, maybe she's starting to fall off now. That's why I was surprised that I that she got me back as much as she did with this record. Whereas with a Hundred Gex, I wasn't really on their wavelength at all until this album, and even like when the album came out, it wasn't like an instant love affair with the record. I had to spend a little time with it, and then finally it just completely bowled me over and I'm like, why am I resisting this? This is just like so fun and so good. Um, so yeah, hundred gex for me, definitely. But yeah, I mean, all of these records I could say, I mean, bully is another strong nominee for me where they seem to be slipping into that zone. Like where they went from a band that I liked to a band that like, okay, maybe I'm not going to even pay attention to their latest record. Cause I know I'm not going to be into it. And then you hear it, and it's like, oh, no, this is like a really good record. And yeah. now I'm really excited to hear what she does next. So let's get to our next category. This is Most Egregiously Overrated Album on Year Endless. This is self-explanatory. Uh, you know, we've been looking at Year Endless. You see a lot of the same records placed very high. And, uh, you know, it feels like maybe these records don't deserve as much praise as they've been getting during uh, year-endless season. So you want to announce these nominees? Ian? Yeah, so we have Lil Yachty, which I think they were like in the running for quite a few categories. Uh, but this is probably the one where they feel most at home. Zach Bryan, uh, Paramore, Olivia Rodrigo, and JPEG Mafia, and Danny Brown scaring the hose. Yeah. So a lot of good nominees here. Olivia Rodrigo, we, we, we talked about this album... On the show, I think if this, if we're talking about like singles lists, I think she absolutely deserves to be on there. Uh, uh, Get Him Back is a song that I, I enjoyed hearing, and it was an earworm, it was in my head when that song was everywhere this summer. Um, I think the album on the whole is a bit of a mixed bag. Again, I'm not as into the ballad side of what she does. I wish that the, you know, young rocker chick thing that she's forwarding uh in a lot of like her iconography and like what the, the things that people celebrate her for that 90s throwback thing that's what i like the most and when she gets into 
her like driver's license mode, I, I, I'm not as into it. So I feel like people love the singles from that record, and I feel like maybe the album's been a little overrated. But I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to go with Zach Bryan in this category, and maybe it's frustration on my part that this is the record that critics have really gone in, gone in on. And it feels like a makeup call from the previous album, American Heartbreak, being like a little under-recognized on year-end lists. Because I still feel like that record, as sprawling as it is, I mean, again, I mean, that's like a two-and-a-half-hour record or something. Um, you know, I still feel like that's a better record. And it's more of the aesthetic that I like from Zach Bryan, where the uh, the sort of like, heartland rock aspect of his music it's more pronounced on that record like this the self-titled album he put out this year there's some good songs on it but i do feel like in the middle there is like a lot of songs that sound the same it's a lot of mid-tempo type strummy sad sack ballads and i tend to get a little bored with that part of the record uh, i'm more into the like country music meets bright eyes aspect of what he does and when he's on that tip i'm fully on board with him but yeah i just feel like this album on the whole i feel like people are praising it because they were maybe a little late to get on the american heartbreak bandwagon so that's what it feels like to me so that's why i'm going to put it uh that's why it wins the most egregiously overrated on year on list award for me how about you like what like who's your winning nominee here so I think this category speaks to the difference between publication year-end lists and individual year-end lists because if you're doing like an individual one, it's just like, hey, what was my favorite album? And you wouldn't need you you wouldn't need to like necessarily overrate something just to make sure that it spoke to like what the year did because yeah, like Olivia Rodrigo and I'd also put like Boy Genius in this category as well as like albums that like absolutely own 2023, but when you like like regard the album itself it's like there's some filler on there these are like 10 or 11 song albums it's like these albums are putting up like hot fuss type success rates um but you can't necessarily like have a year on list without including them so um i little yachty it's like i i feel like that album is like appropriately rated by certain publications because like a complex magazine for example like this was like tailor-made for people who only listen to like, you know, hip hop and like Tame Impala, which is like a very real demographic. So I don't think it's a good album, but like I kind of get why people like it in the same way that like I get why people like, you know, because the internet. Paramore, and I also kind of get that one because it's, they've been just like on a 10 year makeup call for. I guess critics not going in on Ride, even though they were like a super popular act. And I appreciate the fact that they're taking like Block Party and Foles on tour, even though neither of those bands are like good anymore. Um, and I think people are kind of tempering expectations. But for me, it's JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown, uh, which is like, the, I get, I get it. Like the, uh, what's it called? The Rate Your Music or Indie Heads uh, demographic, like, just like loves this shit. It's like sort of like run the jewels for people who aren't necessarily dads yet. Um, <laughs> and I think that this is just like an egregiously overrated. I'm like, for one thing, like I understand the aesthetic, but it like sounds like complete shit. 
Um, and as a rap record, like, I want to hear the lyrics. JPEG Mafia is someone who I've struggled with a lot, and, like, maybe I would like him a lot more if I were, like, 15 years younger, and I don't, like, I, 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 like, I really, because, like, it's, like, abrasive music, and I think they kind of gave up the game with calling this album Scaring the Hose. It just showed this, like, level of self-awareness that I see now in a lot, like, all the Christmas movies that you see now are meta, like where it's like about it's like Christmas movies about Christmas movie like uh, tropes and like once that happens it's like be impossible to enjoy it so I do think that like JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown could put out better records individually kind of like run the jewels but this is just it seemed to me like an album they wanted to make just to make an album called Scaring the Hose like that just seemed so, to be the end point. So like if Run the Jewels if that's like rap for dads is jpeg mafia danny brown is that like cool uncle music then like you don't have you don't have kids of your own but you're going over to your like your your sibling's house and playing with their kids yeah and they're like oh yeah this guy's cool he's cooler than my dad but he's still not he's still not that cool but he's cooler than my dad <laughs> or like you know the dad rapping like their 13 year old son you know that's what they're listening to right Okay, well, let's get to our next category. This is the comeback of the year. Again, self-explanatory, a feel-good category. You know, we, we we do some dunking on the Indie Cassies, but we like to have some feel-good categories as well. We like to mix it up here. And uh, these are our uh, nominees for the comeback of the year. You have the clientele, uh, made one of Ian Cohen's favorite albums of the year. Blonde Redhead. Andre 3000, of course, the flute album, getting a lot of hype. Uh, Peter Gabriel, hmm. he made my year-end list. 21 years, working hard, finally put out a record in many different formats, Blu-ray, CD, many different mixes. Good to see Peter Gabriel back. Uh, Skrillex, uh, Skrillex put out two albums this year. Maybe he should be in Memory Hold album. I don't know, but... <laughs> Feels like we should have recognized him in this category. So Skrillex gets a nomination. And uh, Youth Lagoon back, making a very critically acclaimed record this year. So uh, who is your winner out of those nominees for Comeback of the Year? Yeah, uh, you know, with Youth Lagoon, The Clientele, Blonde Redhead, they all, like kind of this corollary to Bully where like, Bully was like, uh, okay, like they exist. I, uh, I'll probably listen to the record, but I don't have high expectations. Uh, all three of these artists made albums that made my year end list. The clientele made really, got really uh, high up there. I think it was like my number three. And, um, you know, these were like really, it's it just like really encouraging to see the artists can like actually become inspired, like after taking some time off and falling from the narrative. But I, I can't really put them as comeback of the year because there wasn't. Any, it was just like they made a great record uh, and nothing larger than that. I think the Skrillex um, comeback was a little bit overstated. I think people like didn't really have their hearts in it. Um, but yeah, I would go. I'm going to go with Andre 3000 as the comeback of the year because. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, just in the sense of like. Um, him following through on a flute album like this is the sort of thing you would probably hear about for a very long time and like oh uh, i'm here and, and he'll like never actually put it out let alone put it out i think it came out like on a major label right yeah um and i we talked about this on a previous episode how 
you're kind of reviewing Andre 3000 and not like his skills as like a flutist or an arranger. <laughs> but um, I, this to me struck, it's, it's, it, it just brought so, it was like so much, it was about so much more than the actual album. It was about um, people, it, it's almost like a flip side to the, uh, you know, Bethany Cosentino thing where it's like, yeah, you can, really put uh your heart and soul into making an 87 minute flute album and you know if people if it resonates with people then uh you know what the music's gonna carry the day and so yeah i think that andre 3000 like the fact that he made he actually fucking did it is more than enough uh it's more than enough uh to deserve the the win here well yeah and I think you're right when you say that when people reviewed that record, they were reviewing Andre 3000 and they were reviewing him following his heart and like how admirable and easy to like that is. And just like how easy to like Andre 3000 is in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, the interview that he gave where he talked about, you know, being a 48 year old man and not feeling like he has anything to say as a rapper you know, like he's like, Am I gonna rap about having a colonoscopy? You know? <laughs> he's gonna make Sun Kill Moon songs. <laughs> right. Like you know, very funny, very self effacing. It seems like he uh is so level headed and down to earth and he's as normal as he could possibly be being a person living Andre three thousand's life. <laughs> like it just seems like he's in a great place. So even if you're like I don't know if I want a flute album from Andre 3000. Like no one's going to begrudge him that. It's just like, oh, it's so cool. He's doing what he likes. You know, he's following his bliss and I hate that I just said that, but you know what I mean? Good for him. Um I'm going to go with Peter Gabriel for uh comeback of the year. Uh because I think he did something similar to Andre 3000 and that he worked on a record for like 21 years and uh was also living his life while doing that. And I also, I just happen to think that it's a better record. You know, I, I, I think the record turned out really well. I saw Peter Gabriel this year, and it was like one of my favorite concerts of the year. I mean, just his voice is like so well preserved, and it just sounds amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that to spend that much time on a record, and to have it come out and have it not be terrible, that by <laughs> itself is an achievement. But I think the record is actually. Uh, quite good. So, yep, that's my comeback of the year. But like all these people, it was nice to have them back. They they all did something cool this year. So we tip our cap to all the comebacks in uh, 2023. Um, all right, let's get to the penultimate category of the indie casties. We're getting to the end of the show here. This is like we're at the three and a half hour mark of the Oscars. For us, it's like we're at the hour and a half mark <laughs> of the indie casties. This is most enjoyable trend to hash out this year. Now, we all know we, that's what we do on the show. We hash out trends. And there were so many trends that we hashed out this year. Some trends you don't want to hash out because it just makes you depressed. But then there's other trends that are just a joy to hash out. You wish you could hash it out every week. Uh, unfortunately, you can't because new trends come in that need to be hashed. But these are the trends that we want to revisit in our indie cast season, maybe hash them out one more time. So most enjoyable trend to hash out in 2023, fake indie sleaze as our first nominee. And we've, we've talked about that. We talked about that with the dare 
in last week's episode, just this totally drummed up phony baloney trend that became a trend because people talked about it, uh, but just people wanting New York to be relevant again in indie music. So they made this thing up. Very fun to talk about. Our next nominee is The Sphere. <laughs> Talking about The Sphere, the multi-billion dollar, uh, what do you even call this thing? Music venue in Las Vegas. I, I went to The Sphere in September to see U2. Uh, it's just a ridiculous thing. And it was very fun to talk about. Uh, patio music is our next nominee. Of course, I talked a lot about patio music this year, hanging out on my patio this summer, living the patio music lifestyle. Puts a smile on my face even just thinking about it, even though it's wintertime right now and it's too cold to be on the patio. Uh, the Pine Grove Shuffle. Do you remember, you remember the Pine Grove Shuffle? TikTok trend? Yeah. Very weird, very weird, but very fun to talk about. Pine Grove Shuffle. Uh, the Cure charging low ticket prices. Um, we could have put The Cure in comeback of the year, too. I mean, they they didn't put out a record this year, but there was so much goodwill towards The Cure. Uh, we both saw The Cure mm-hmm. this year in concert. They were they were fantastic, and uh, you know they're charging like twenty five bucks for tickets. Uh, oh, twenty five bucks for t shirts. The uh, twenty five bucks for t shirts. Yeah. But the tickets were t- the tickets Reasonable. were very re- <laughs> yeah for for a an arena rock band. Uh, just so much goodwill right now for Robert Smith. That was a very fun trend to hash out. Um, my changing feelings about college football. That got nominated in this category. That was a fun trend to hash out. That's like a, it's more of like an indie cast trend, not like a wider trend. But still, you know, I was ripping on college football earlier in the year, and then I came around to it. I came around to your way of thinking, to quote uh, Urge Overkill. Uh, so that was great. And then um, the last... Enjoyable trend of the year, uh, The Idol, The Weekend Show. Very fun to talk about that show. I don't think I watched more than one episode. <laughs> did you watch the whole... I, 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 I watched absolutely one and did I'm not. Like, yeah, I watched one episode. I'm like, I got it. I'm good. <laughs> um, so, man, all those trends were very enjoyable. Uh, what was your most enjoyable trend to hash out this year? Before we go any further, can you remind me whether we call it The Sphere or just Sphere? Oh, it's it's actually just sphere. Okay. Uh, but in my column, I called it the sphere uh, because <laughs> I'm like, I'm, yeah. It's like I'm sorry, John Dolan. Uh, I'm breaking your uh, your rule. It's like how the Eagles are actually Eagles. Huh. Not, they're not the. Yeah, they're not the Eagles. They're Eagles. But everyone calls them the Eagles because it just sounds awkward to say Eagles with no the. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, there's technically no the in sphere. It's just sphere. Right, or is it it's like Smashing Pumpkins where I kind of forget. Like, it, it kind of varies. I think they kind of switch it up. But um, I wanted to say fake indie sleaze. Like, that is probably, like, number two because I just love any sort of trend that emerges that allows us to remember some guys. Um, you know, like, when, like whenever there's, like, a, a new artist that's, like, sounds like Snow Patrol or just, like, that era of, uh, of um, you know... Uh, uh, of Grey's Anatomy core. I love that. Anything that brings up chill wave, anything that brings up like, um, you know, like whatever was happening with NDC's like Fisher Spooner, like that was cool, but it was also kind of annoying to deal with because people took it seriously. My favorite trend to hash out was absolutely had to be sphere because it's just so patently ridiculous and there's no real path. There's no real path forward for this to be anything other than ridiculous. And I always love, 
um, the possibility of something this grand and expensive failing because it's not my money at all. It's sort of like crypto to me in that like, yeah, it's a bummer. Like crypto was a bummer because like some like legit people, like some like normal people like lost their life savings or whatever. And I can under like, and there's like, you know, more things that are like political valence to it. But like this fear is just like, it's big, it's dumb, it's expensive. It's like completely fucking useless. And um, I love the fact that you actually got to go see you two there. Well, and look, and, and Fish is playing Sphere in April. And by the time this yeah. episode posts, I will know whether I'm going to those shows. Like Rob Mitchum and I, my friend, we tried to, to do the lottery for Fish at Sphere <laughs> and we didn't get tickets. But then the public on sale is tomorrow as we're recording and last Friday when this posts. So there's a chance... I'm going to Sphere again. I might be seeing every band <laughs> that's ever played Sphere. Like if like a Sphere shuts down after Fish plays there, which they really should. I mean, Fish should it might close not that even place make out. it. To, it might not even make it to Fish. There's like that is a real possibility too. It would be amazing if like U2 opened it and Fish closed it. That would be <laughs> that would make that would make Sphere the greatest music venue of all time. It would, there would be nothing close to it except for Ken uh, 285. Like it's yeah. Ken 285 number 1 Sphere 2. Well, okay, so that points to what I'm going to say wins this category. I was actually going to say Sphere, but since you said Sphere, <laughs> I'm going to say Fake Indie Sleaze is my favorite trend to hash out. And because it had many elements that you and I are attracted to when we uh, talk about uh, indie music. But one thing that we both love is to make fun of self-obsessed New Yorkers. <laughs> and this this story just has, it's like the greatest example of that that we've had in a long time. Just people who feel like what's happening within like a three block radius of their house still <laughs> matters to the rest of the world. And it absolutely doesn't. And the fake indie sleaze thing, it, it was just impossible to deny that this was like an irrelevant uh, concept to most people and that it doesn't even exist. Like, I, I, it's such a fraudulent example. It's, it's an example of like fraudulent media trying to invent a trend that will make them feel good about paying exorbitant rent prices <laughs> living in New York City. You know, that's all it is. Because they don't want to move back to Pittsburgh or, you know, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee or wherever it is that they're from. They don't want to move back there. They want to justify living in New York so they will pretend that the dare is important and that indie sleaze is actually a thing. And it's just a, it's just a fun thing for people like us to talk about. Yeah. I mean, the fact is, like, yeah, a lot of important stuff does happen in New York because that's, like, where most of the people are. But... Um, I, I think that this, like, you just know, like, people wanted an excuse to kind of, uh, pivot away from, like, a lot of the, uh, propriety that had been occurring over the past couple of years and after COVID. It made, like, it made so much sense. And I would have loved for Indie Sleeves to actually produce some, like, good music. Cause, yeah, I think that is what we needed, but y they just kind of, they kind of like they could have waited you know it's like the dare could have been like the you know this the firing gun and maybe some bands would follow through on that but yeah there was a lot going on with like hey new york's back with like um 
hotline TNT and uh, water from your eyes. There was like a low key kind of very real 2009 CMJ core revival. Uh, but yeah, Indie Sleaze wasn't it. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool if there were great records to come out of that or like really, really bad records. And I don't know which one I'd want more. <laughs> really bad, because, but popular records, though. Yeah, yeah, because the Dare, you know, it just was unexceptional. Yeah, it was like, like the it, worst it, of all worlds, you know? Yeah, I, I, it wasn't so bad that it was fun. It was, <laughs> and it wasn't good, obviously, but it, it just, I, I, I wish it was worse. You know, I wish it was like, I wish it was like a little bit worse or like way better, you know, but it's just somewhere in that sort of mid mediocre range. Um, all right, here we are. Last category of the 2023 Indie Casties. This is always one of my favorite categories. This actually, this is my favorite category. That's why I put it last. Most memory hold album of 2023. Uh, do you want to read our nominees? Yeah, so <laughs> this I'm like looking at this, and this like might as well be the Grammy's best rock album nominees. Uh, we have Metallica, Foo Fighters, Queens of the Stone Age, M83. Uh, I'm going to include The Armed in here because we need some indie adjacent album. Travis Scott and Gorillaz. Now, I'm, I was like tempted to throw things like, I don't know, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Green Day in there just to like see if you believe that they actually put out records in 2023. Did the did the Chili Peppers put out a record? I know they put out they put out two last year, right? That yes, they did. I still see I still see very randomly some of those videos playing at like twenty four hour fitness. Like they're they're still making videos. Uh, okay, I'm gonna challenge you. Can you remember the name of these two albums? No, I can't. Unlimited Love, <laughs> Return of the Dream Canteen. <laughs> I do see the video for the drummer uh, on, uh, and this was a seventy-five minute album. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you could have said anything there. <laughs> so uh, you could have said, you know, uh, blood sugar uh, sex you know, magic too. <laughs> like, or yeah, yeah, exactly, or like the return of Sir Psycho Sexy. You know, <laughs> I, I I would have bought it. So um, I'm gonna, you know, I actually thought about putting M83 on this list, but I. Personally, I've gone back to that album. Yeah, uh, I actually like very, this one <laughs> very recently, and there's some songs on there I really like a lot. So I, and look, and we're not necessarily we're not saying necessarily that these albums are bad. Just that like they're albums that you would have thought had an impact, and it it's hard to remember that they even came out this year. Like that's the memory hold concept, and I have to go with the Foo Fighters album. Um, because this is an album that was well reviewed when it came out. You and I both wrote about it. You were you wrote about it for Pitchfork. I wrote about it for Uproxx. We both liked it. Um, I do think it's like their best record since the late '90s. Uh, I mean, that's not <laughs> the biggest praise in the world, but I mean, I think it is like a like a like a quite good Foo Fighters record. Um, and they are obviously still a very popular rock band. But you know, I was looking at. Rolling Stone's album, like the Rolling Stone best albums of the year list, they did like a hundred albums. They didn't put the Foo Fighters on there. Like Rolling Stone didn't put the Foo Fighters on there. There's something funny going on there. I I don't I I don't know. I think there's like some there's got to be some kind of feud there because we live in a world where, where Rolling Stone <laughs> won't put a new Foo Fighters album 
on a best albums list that's like a hundred albums long yeah you yeah, should I, see what's on what is on there like you have like a you have like for my for all my you have the drake album on there you have yeah yeah there's like some <laughs> weird things on that list and i i just feel like i know you're trying to be more contemporary but like rolling stone like, you, come on like you can't totally abandon your roots well, they, they had that put, art they had that article right about uh yeah Taylor hawkins so. yeah i think there, i think there's some weirdness lingering from that i mean they put the metallica record on that list and they put the rolling stones record on the list so it's not like they've Number completely abandoned five man like yeah it's well, like I, well i put it i put it at 17 on my list i, <laughs> I i'll go to i'll go to war for hackney diamonds man i don't i don't give a shit uh but um but yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I think the Foo Fighters record is at least better than the Metallica record. I mean, I I don't know. I think it, if I made a top 100 list, I would have put the Foo Fighters on my personal <laughs> list personally. Um but um yeah, it's very strange. I I don't know. I cuz like Queens of the Stone Age, I mean, yeah, like that kind of came and went. Uh The Armed, I mean, that was getting a lot of hype, but it's not like they're a huge band. The Travis Scott thing, I think that's a that might be my number two here, but I don't know. Foo Fighters, it's just striking because I feel like that got a lot of press when it came out and then just completely like evaporated. It, they might as well not even put out a record at this point. So, yeah, that's why that's my most memory hold album of 2023. Yeah, I mean, M83 is a record that I've actually returned to quite a bit, and I don't know what my expectations were for it. I feel like they've kind of gone into like millennial legacy mode um the arm that i put on there because i mean throughout 2021 um there was so much conversation about their whole deal and then they made a record where it's like hey there is no deal behind it and just kind of faded from memory um gorillas is always an album that will show up on this list i'm like did they put out an album this year like i guess <laughs> um but and like Metallica is just a stadium act. Like they're it, they're not looking to do Ride the Lightning or anything like that. But um, I kind of have to go with Foo Fighters as well because like I think it's hard to re- I think it's easy to forget how critically acclaimed this really was when it first came out. You know, Rolling Stone aside, which by the way they it took them a while to review it. It seemed like they weren't going to actually do it. Um, but yeah, I did write about this album for Pitchfork, and like when I was doing it, it had like a ninety plus Metacritic score at the time, and I was like feeling really self conscious about it, like you know, kind of given the delicate nature of the record, it being the first one they made after Taylor Hawkins died. I'm like, am I, like, am I going out on a limb here, giving it a seven point um, and and I think it, it like did extremely well in mid-year lists. Um, but yeah, I mean, it got an 86 Metacritic score, so it didn't fall far from 90. No. And yeah, like good reviews from like yeah, New York Times, all the British magazines liked it, The Guardian. And I can't, yeah. I can't remember. And of course, like, look, it's being, it's going to like kill at the Grammys. So maybe we're speaking too soon, but yeah, I can't remember a fucking thing about this. And it's like, I reviewed it. Like, I listened to it enough times to write, uh, a, like, a thousand or so words. And I think there's just something symbolic about the album cover being this, like, blank... It's, like, almost uh, like a blank white record. There's, like, just a little bit of, like, uh, text on it. And I think that kind of, um, you know, it's kind of appropriate for an album that, like, 
was this like blinding flash of like brilliance the way it was treated and then it's just like oh yeah it's just like another Foo Fighters album yeah the, the title of which I'll probably not be able to recall so but here uh, we are it's but here called. we are yeah here we are yeah. uh and the 20 this is yeah indeed IndieCast but here yeah. we are well that's it we're done with the IndieCasties <laughs> and uh we're done with 2023 there's no episode next week taking the week off we'll be back mm-hmm. In early January, talking about God knows what possible yay say or reunion albums. I don't know. Maybe yeah. this is a maybe. Maybe next year we'll do like our favorite trends we willed into existence. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That could be good. We'll write that one down. Thank you all, everybody, for listening. It's been another fun year on IndieCast. We love our audience, even the people that write us mean emails. Even we the love haters and losers. <laughs> yeah. Even the haters, even the losers. We love you all. Uh, it's been a pleasure reviewing albums and hashing out trends with all of you this year. And we're looking forward to more in 2024, aren't we, Ian? Yes, we are. More in 2024. Yep. Can't wait for it. Thank you all. We'll see you next year. And if you're looking for more music recommendations, sign up for the Indie Mixtape Newsletter. You can go to uprocks.com backslash indie. And I recommend five albums per week. And we'll send it directly to your email box. 